Thank you for listening to the Recovery Refuge podcast. We aim to offer you a safe listening space to grow in your recovery. I hope today's show is an encouragement to you and brings you a sense of peace in your life. For updates on new content, follow us on social media at recoveryrefuge.care. Also, check out our website for any developments in our ministry at recoveryrefuge.care. Enjoy today's show. Hey, welcome to the Recovery Refuge podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Abrams. I'm here with Adam French, the founder of Recovery Refuge, where the goal is to eradicate addiction in Sumner County. Uh, Today, we're here with Danny. So Danny, tell us a little bit about yourself, how old you are, and what you're doing in life right now. All right, thanks. Uh, Thanks for having me. I'm uh, 60 years old. I'll be 61 the 25th of August this month. And um, I'm serving as the pastor of Care and Recovery for Long Hall Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and uh, absolutely loving it. Um, 18 years clean and sober, and uh, that is a miracle. Praise God. Well, thank you for what you do, Danny, and I know you and I have been friends for a long time, so I I love you, man. And, Um, um, you know, the hope is is that people will listen to this podcast, and uh, they'll be able to relate, they'll be able to connect, they'll feel hope, they'll feel... Um, encouraged and they'll feel like man there's there's a way there's a pathway for me to live a life of freedom Um, and hopefully they see their need for God and um, that story uh, when it comes to life change you know starts sometimes from from a dark place although we're going to end in the light um, what we like to do just here in the beginning is for you just to kind of lay out lay it out for the listener and say you know you know what what moment if you had to put one i know there's a lot of them but what is that moment that was just the darkest moment of your life that rock bottom moment that moment where you never in a million years thought you would get there um in the midst of your addiction yeah that's good adam i think uh through my life there was a lot of dark lonely scary times as a kid growing up and but when it when it came to absolute brokenness, um, uh, you know, so I'd lost my mother, and um, I was devastated, and I acted the only way I know how to act, and that was just to get as high as I could get. And uh, I was eating ridiculous amounts of pills and drinking constant and smoking weed every four hours or less, and I was a miserable wretch of a man. And the bad thing is I made everybody that loved me or cared anything about me miserable too. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so then six months later, my wife has a double ruptured brain aneurysm. And, uh, but God, don't you love the but gods? Yeah. yeah. And he saved her. And, um, you know, we didn't go to church that time. Our oldest son had been involved in Long Hollow uh, student ministry. And she was at Vanderbilt. We saw the church in action, pastors, parents. And, and um, you know, it really wasn't until um, she come out of recovery and she had like a near-death experience and she cried out for Jesus of course you know he met her right there and she looked at me with uh, 25 staples in her face and three by three plug out of her skull and her eyes all swollen she said Danny when I get better I want to start going to Corey's church I want to get baptized and I said all right you know and, <laughs> and go argue with it you know i'd given my life to christ when i was nine and, and was baptized and i think it was a, a real experience but of course i was never discipled never followed him with my life and got turned on to smoking weed and started drinking and doing drugs from age 11 
till mm. at that yeah. time I was 42 years old. So every day of my life for 31 years, I was using, abusing, and addicted to drugs and alcohol. And um, I thank God that I did have that experience with church because when she said she wanted to go to church, I knew, you know, Jesus said, come to me all you are weary and I'll give you rest. Well, I was in a dark spot and I needed rest. And so I thank God that I knew that you don't change to come to Christ. You come to Christ to change. Mm. Right. So I showed up at Long Hollow just how I was, high as a kite. And I did that probably for a month, month and a half. And we got baptized on Saturday night. And I thought I was rededicating my life to Christ. But, brother, when I come up out of that water, I was attacked. The devil was on me. I mean, bombarding my mind with crazy thoughts. Really? I mean, like, go get an eight ball, go to strip clubs, do stuff I hadn't done in a while, you know. And He was pulling out all the old tricks. Oh, right. well, yeah. He can't see in the future, but he had a good idea yeah. that, that if I got straight, God could yeah. use me, and he yeah. tried to put He's the like, on that. I've had this guy down too long. <laughs> yeah. If we don't want him to get yeah. up, he might yeah. do something. So, um, you know, and, and it was really right before she had that aneurysm, I, I, just, I did. I felt like Groundhog Day, I was merely existing, no hope. You know, I, all these years up to... Uh, 42. I figured I'd be dead by the time I was 50, and I was pretty much ahead of course. And I really didn't care. You know, I just, I, I didn't, I felt hopeless, even though God had blessed me with two amazing young sons uh, and an amazing wife and mother of the kids. I just, I was in a dark spot, and I didn't see no hope. And then when she said, let's go to church, I said, well, you know, okay. And I showed up high, and man, God just got hold of me, and I, I remember seeing my son and all the students sitting down to the right and thinking, just just thanking God that my son brought me to that church. And um, so after you know we were baptized and I was just being bombarded, I called a friend who was a deacon and said, "What is going on? This don't feel like it did when I was nine. And uh, you know, he said, <laughs> you didn't know what an eight ball were when you were nine. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, exactly. or a strip club. Yeah, you're like it's supposed to get easy, which is a misconception, right? We think when yeah. we you know, give our life to God's like, oh, it gets easy. But the truth is, that's when the battle begins. Right. And you look, uh, I'm not saying I'm Jesus, but when Jesus come up out of the water, what happened? Mm-hmm. Led into the wilderness to be tempted. So I got honest with Roger. I, I called a friend, uh, that he was a deacon at the time, said, what, what, you know, what's going on? He said, you're under spiritual attack. He led me through Ephesians, putting on the armor of God. And, yeah. and then I did step one before I knew it was step one. I said, well, there's something else going on, Roger. I've been chemically dependent to something most of my life. And Roger's like, uh, well, um, that's something I don't know anything about. Uh, but let me get you in touch with somebody who does. Yeah. And uh, that was my introduction to uh, Celebrate Recovery. He put me in touch with the old friend Russell, and he met me at old Waffle House there in Hendersonville. And his words was, when I got out of the truck, he thought, oh, my God. This guy is mad. <laughs> you like, yeah, the you mad just, dog look, yeah, huh? Yeah. yeah. I didn't not realize. High? Huh? Were you just not high? Oh, no, I was high. You were? I was an angry dude. Okay. I mean, I was just yeah. mad. Yeah. You know, just I hated myself and everybody else. Yeah. You know, and I didn't even realize I had that kind of look on my face. And, and he said his story years later was I thought we either going to be praying or fighting or, you know, yeah. this, is, this guy looks rough. And, um, you know, I went home. He he explained the beginnings of celebrate recovery, and I just, 
I remember saying, when you wake up in the morning, do you feel good? And he looked at me and said, yeah, man. He said, tell you what, try it for 90 days, and if you don't like it, you can have your misery back. Mm. Wow. So you wanted to feel good. Yeah. When I would wake up in the morning, my stomach was in a knot. And I do have post-traumatic stress disorder. No doubt that's real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I'd wake up, my anxiety level would be at, you know, nine, just right out of bed. Yeah, man. and it, I was just so tired of living like that. I, ne- I, didn't, I don't sleep good, never did sleep good, more than an hour at a time or two at the most. And so he said that. I went home and smoked a joint, drank a beer, and thought about what he said. But then I worked third shift, and when I got off 7 o'clock in the morning, I, I knew if I waited for everybody to get up and go to church, I wouldn't make it. So I went to, to Long Hall at the 8 o'clock service. And I'll never forget sitting in the front row and Brother David Sam. God loves us like we love our children. If our children are disobedient, why we may not cast them right into a lake of fire, but there will be consequences in their life. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, wow, consequences. I got a whole plate full of them. Yeah. You know, lost my mother, almost lost my wife, and then I got denied insurance over a 24-hour deal because I took the 90-day Cobra challenge and I made it. But the insurance company, because my 90th day was January 1st, 2005, they weren't going to start my insurance till February 1st. And so you imagine what brain surgery at Vanderbilt looks like. Oh, oh yeah. Let's get them sweet little bills. that said Visa, MasterCard, Discovery, 103000 68000 27000 I'm know. sure that helped with your anxiety. That exactly. You were, that right. you were dealing with, yeah. So, yeah. Man, so, yeah. I couldn't be happy that my wife was saved. Yeah. Awesome mother, my boys, just miserable wretch of a human being. Wow. Man. And that's for me, because you all have known each other for a while. I've only met you a handful of times and it's always been in passing, but I haven't known you. I've known you since you got clean, basically. Yeah. And for someone like me, that's so crazy to hear. That's why I asked, were you mad because you weren't high? Because I've always ever known you as just this very joyful person who the fruit is just clear in your life. So that... That's crazy. Um, there's the old literary device, the outward expression of an inward reality. Mm-hmm. And for yeah. you, that that pain it was proving it true. You were you were yeah. a broken person inside, and you it was visible on the outside. So that's just. And I just soon hit you as argue That's just the way. I, and and I, I realized after working through the steps that I used anger as a coping skill, kind of mm-hmm. like a drug. Yeah. If I was really good and mad, then you couldn't hurt my feelings. I didn't feel like mm. I needed anything or anybody, mm. yeah. you know. I can relate. I, there's yeah. a lot of power there, right? You yeah. know, yeah. like mm-hmm. F the world and all that. And, wow, it, it, you know, it was a lot to see that. Yeah. And that's something only God can do yeah. to, to remove that. Um, but when when I heard that, I just, I got it. It just, it just like clicked yeah. in that moment. I went home, I got on my face, I said, okay, Jesus. I'm going to quit drugging and drinking, and I don't know what this looks like yeah. or how it's supposed to be possible, but I trust you. And I said, if my family's supposed to be bankrupt, I just pray that you cover them, uh, comfort them. I don't want them to have to move them into a trailer or a bad neighborhood. Just I don't know what to do, but I'm trusting you. And, and today going forward, I vow to never drink or drug again. And by his grace, I haven't. That's um, incredible, you know, man. 18 years ain't the goal either. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to stop for a second here because, um, I know a little bit about your story and we haven't necessarily brought this 
up in some of our past episodes. You talked about uh, the the rage and the anger and keeping people at bay, obviously, because I, I did it in, in a similar fashion. It was because it was that was my mask. I really didn't want you to know what was going on inside. I really didn't want people to know that I was, you know, hurt or um, that I didn't love myself. All the insecurities I had, you know, that was my way of covering up my pain and my insecurities was being rage. And so I know your story. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, what, what that state of mind is when, you know, you're walking around with that weight and the pain. I know you had, you know, your, your mom, lots of issues there. Talk a little bit about some of the pain that you were carrying around. I think listeners, um, need to hear that and just kind of how, um, you know, what you, you, you talked about how, I want them to know how big of a step it was for you to say, I need help. Because for so many years, it was, I, I don't, I, this is how I'm coping with it because here's all the stuff I'm carrying around. Can you just talk a little yeah. bit about that and however you no, want that's, to share that? That's good, Adam. I mean, you know, so growing up from an early, early child, uh, you know, it was right about the time after I got baptized uh, when my mother became mentally ill and my dad couldn't handle it. So instead of getting her help, he'd jump on her and beat her till I got old enough to take the beatings and it was really bad and I'm not going into all that, but um, he would travel. He'd leave on a Monday and wouldn't get back till Friday and my mother was in and out of the mental hospitals and I was left alone with no family. And so at an early age, I learned that Danny had to make it happen. I, I relied on Danny, Danny only. I didn't trust anybody. And when you grow up and you don't trust your parents and you really don't trust anybody, you've got no respect for anybody because everybody that's ever been close to you has let you down. Right. And I know listeners can identify with yeah. that. We all got trust issues. Right. And those deals will keep you from trusting God. And so for 42 years, it, it was like, if Danny needed something to make Danny feel good, then Danny was the one that had to do it. And it was whether I bought something or, or got something or did something. Well, that was that question. You remember you asked him, do you feel good? Yeah. And I was miserable, wow. you know, yeah. and, and I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I just, I was doing the same thing every day. You know, I, I never lost my jobs, really. Um, I was able to work. High functioning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and. You know, I love my boys. I didn't want to leave them. And, you know, I you know, I feel like bad news bears and stuff. I'd pitch bat in practice and stuff. <laughs> my bear smelling like beer. I know, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, but it was just that mindset that, that I can't trust anybody and I have to do it. You know, I, you know, me, 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 I, 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 it's all about me, what I want, when I want it, how I want it. And really, it took 42 years to get absolutely broken to where I realized, okay, Jesus, I've been trying this on my own. I am miserable, and I'm making my family miserable. I, like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And it, it was in that total surrender. Um, you know, I did step three before I knew it was step three. You know, when I did step one before I knew it was step one when I admitted to Roger. I've been chemically dependent on something right. most of my life. So, you know— these the steps were working out before I ever knew, really knew what they were. But from that moment, I got up off my face and wiped tears. And then I went to Vanderbilt, met with them, and got it's unbelievable. Um, you know, I got on their assistance program, a bunch of miracles there. Um, but then Wednesday night, I went to the beginning of Celebrate Recovery, and 
you know, you ask the six or seven brothers and sisters that were there, they'll tell you like, <laughs> Man, that dude is mad. Transformation. <laughs> I didn't even know it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I was happy that I was I was debt free from Vanderbilt and all that worked out. But um, I know they were thinking this dude ain't gonna make it. But yeah. I felt love and acceptance, no judgment, no pointed finger, and um, you know. I didn't hear audible voice, but I just felt like God said, this yeah, is where I want home. you. Yeah. So to go back real quick for anybody that's listening to this, but maybe isn't in the recovery world yet, what is step three? You brought step that three is we made a decision to turn our lives and wills over to care of God. Yeah. And, and that was the life changing step where I really just surrendered and said, I, I can't do it. I'm yeah. miserable. I'd just soon die. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Because as you were talking, uh, we're going to lead into one of the questions here which you were you wanted to talk about before and Adam and I had to ask you to stop talking because we could tell you were on something good and we wanted to hit record before you did it. Um, so this is my understanding of what you just said. So tell me I'm wrong. If not, dive into it. Dive into whatever you're going to go into. But to kind of put a name on it, uh, now you believe the gospel of Jesus. But before, it almost sounds as if you believe the gospel of the bootstraps. Like you believe I'm going to pull myself up. I'm going to do this. I'm the only person who's never failed me. So that leads into the question at your lowest point of addiction. And for many of our guests, there are multiple low points. But if someone would have come up to you and said, Danny, what do you believe about God in these moments? Not what you know now. Who is God and what are some of his characteristics? What would your answer have been to that? I just said, you know, I absolutely believe in God because at nine, that was a real experience. And then when my mother was in the hospital, times when she was home that were really dark and scary, my dad was gone. I'd go to school by myself, come home to an empty house for a week at a time. There were very lonely, scary times that I felt his love and comfort. And so I I understand when people say, you know, I'm mad at God. I I understand that, but I never— I felt his love and his presence in some of those dark, scary times as a kid. So I I, I believed in God. I knew he was real, but I didn't know him on an intimate level. So that is just incredibly interesting because we've had on this show, we've had high-performing CEOs. We've had uh, student athletes. we've We've had all kinds of people. But one thing, again, me being new to this world that is true is that it's not a monolith. You, every addict looks different. So that's the first time we've heard thus far that you knew God loved you. Everyone else, and I don't want to put any words in anybody else's mouth, but to my knowledge, everyone else didn't believe that. Right. They believed that that God wanted nothing to do with them. So for anyone that's listening that knows who God is, that's just, that's very powerful. So I don't want to let that pass us by how unique that is. That's amazing. And I, I think what it says is it says, don't wait another second. Yeah. Danny has just testified that, it, you know, he was 42 years old, and I'm sure there, you know, if he could go back, he would say, I, I would have done it in a minute, and I'm the same in my life. I think, you know, the cool thing I, I hope about this show is that people are listening, and, and you can say, man, I don't have to go as far as Adam went. I don't mm-hmm. have to go as far as Danny went. I don't have to. 
You can start right now. Your moment to change is right now. Don't wait another second. You go online right now. You can look up recoveryrefuge.care. You can shoot us an email. You can go to celebraterecovery.com, find a meeting near you. Like your moment is now. There's no reason to wait. Your Sunday moment that Danny came forward can be this Sunday. It doesn't have to be long haul. It can be whatever Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church that's near you. And God will love you and accept you right where you are and you don't have to expend all these years in pain and turmoil of missing out because you can do it right now and um so yeah i i think it's interesting too um i want to skip up just a little bit because uh uh, i think you talked about your moment of clarity because i'm very interested in this you say that um you believed in god like if somebody were to come at you in that darkest moment and say what you believe about god but now that you're on this side of things and you're living for, for the Lord, help us understand the difference. Because I think someone who is either struggling with addiction right now or they're in recovery right now or somebody's listening because they have a family member and they're trying to understand, man, trying to grasp like addiction, how it is, how they can help a friend. Help them understand. Help us understand, man, what is what changed in your understanding of God, what you believe about God from when you loved God and you, you knew God loved you, but you were still using to, man, I'm walking in victory. I'm uh, people that don't know. I'm going to the jail. I'm ministering to people. I'm helping people change their lives. What's the big difference there? Well, it is a process. So, you know. I, I believed in God, but the, the demons believe in God, mm-hmm. and they and they tremble at His name. Um, I, I believed in God, and I knew He loved me, but I, I felt hopeless. I was not. That's the 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 deal of and the beauty of discipleship, right? Yeah. Um, I know you know you hear a lot of pastors say, uh, you know, if you walked out or you you got wet, and twenty years later nothing changed, maybe you didn't get saved, and that's that's true. You should reflect, check yourself. But there's also the fact that when you become a, a Christian, you're like a, a, a brand new creature, like a baby apple tree, a seedling apple tree. It's a new creation, but it doesn't bear fruit until its roots grow down and it grows up and matures That's in its good. faith. And so, you know, I, I, I believed in God. I knew he loved me, but I didn't know how to walk with him. Right. And I see a lot of people come into recovery and they think that, that God, you know, they've been so bad, they've been such a monster that God could never love them. Mm-hmm. I've heard this so many times. And I think it's it's when that they can actually see another brother that they get honest with and they share all the awful things they've done. They feel like God could never forgive them. And that brother looks them in the eye and says, man, I'm proud of you for sharing that. I love you. I'm going to walk with you. In that moment, it's almost like the light bulb goes off and they're going, if this guy can love me Mm. maybe god can love right and so it it becomes a process of just walking with him and i i say this all the time adam and you know it i don't believe when i said god i don't know what living sober looks like how that's going to be possible or or you know how how can i even have any fun that was the words i told him how, you know, what, what's that supposed to look like? How, yeah. how am I going to have what, fun? What am I going to do? How am I supposed to live? <laughs> I remember grilling hamburgers at the baseball field. I had to get a Coke yeah. and, and put a canned Coke over there because I didn't know how to grill without a beer in my hand. Mm. It's just stupid stuff. Yeah. But when God put me at Celebrate Recovery with guys that had been where I'd been 
and were now living this new life in Christ, and they weren't goofy. I mean, mm. well, you know, Tommy's. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have Tommy but, on the show soon. You know, but to hear his side of the story, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're you know they were real, yeah. you know, and yeah, and they, they were, were living this new That's life, good. and so you know it, it wasn't just the brokenness turned into repentance yeah. and surrender. And then it was just the simple thing of putting that little bit of faith and knowledge I had in God and just moving forward with it, showing up at church, listening to the pastor, reading my Bible to make sure what he is saying is what I'm reading, being around other guys that were, were modeling this life of recovery. And, and that's what recovery is. Real recovery is spiritual growth and healing from the inside. And that only happens with a relationship with Jesus. And, and it, it doesn't, you know, you hear of people who just have those aha moments. They surrender their life. Boom, they're good. They don't go to treatment or nothing. In a way, you know, I was, I was taking 12, 14 blue volumes a day and drinking constantly and working third shift on 483 phase. If you didn't know me, you wouldn't know yeah. that I was that high. I wasn't stumbling, mumbling, but alcohol and barbiturates, you can die from withdrawals. Heroin, meth, cocaine, uh, you think you're going to die, but you're not really in risk yeah. of dying. I didn't have to do detox. I just surrendered, and I started going to CR and yeah. church. And We're not recommending that, but no, that's a miracle. Exactly. Yeah. You, you yeah. Know, that's what you're trying to say. But, yeah. but what I'm saying, so my story is, now I know pastors who they just got free and they didn't do any meetings, and that happens for a small small a right. minority of the population yeah. Yeah. but even mine is is kind of that miracle you know i didn't have to go to detox i didn't go to treatment but 18 years later i know if i'm not going to the jail and giving back if i'm not sitting in them small groups um sharing practicing being open and honest with other men it happens all the time man yeah you know um recovery ain't easy and my my experience is how many people make it five years clean and sober go on to make it 10 years mm. and my experience is less than one percent oh man listen when i i remember when i got my 10-year mark um it was like the holy spirit showed me like adam there's there's a lot of people and i started thinking about it for like the next year and every time i go to a meeting there were so many people that had 10 years or less or 20 or more but that 11 through 19 i mean i, I was so rare and I was just like, I told myself, I said, man, I'm diving in. I'm going all in because, the, you know, I know there's a lot of people that don't even get to that point, but that is that second big tier where people fall out. I, I want to throw out a, a question for uh, both of you guys here um, because I, I feel like it keeps coming up is this depth of grace Um and my question is, why do you guys think, just people in general, or, or Danny, um, maybe you can speak to, to addicts, but just people in general, why is it hard to accept or to understand just the depth of God's grace? Because you talked about, like, man, when, I, when, when someone looks me in the eyes and I share everything with them and they say, I love you. Like, and we don't, but we don't see, like, that God has that same depth. Is that because of a misconception of church or is that a is that because we have some churches that maybe their preferences aren't aligned with scripture but what do you guys say would would speak into that if you, i'd love to hear some feedback into the listeners who's going i just have a hard time believing that god loves me i have a hard time 
thinking that, or somebody's maybe listening and going, well, that's not even fair. You know, are we saying that God wipes away, you know, everything and there's no consequences? We're not saying that. I just think that I've heard this over and over again in, yeah. in a few episodes is the addicts are the person who's struggling with alcohol addiction or whatever it may be. And you're listening right now, you may be going, how could God love me and want me when I have hurt so many people? I've hurt myself and I know that God is good, but how do I accept that? So can you just kind of speak anybody into that? I'd love to hear some feedback. Adam, what I think is that people take their earthly experiences. So if you've got a bad father, a judgmental father, rage just bust you every move, every, always tell you how wrong you are, or how bad you've been, they, they relate that to our Father in heaven as being the same judgmental ready to strike you down, sitting on his throne high and lofty, can zap you when you do wrong. And that's not our Father in heaven. I mean, he loves us so much, you know. Yeah. God stepped out of heaven and walked as we did so that he understands us. And yeah. and so it's – and, too, you know, I, I get why people have trust issues because, you know, God gave us free will, and some people use their free will to hurt others. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so many people that we see in recovery have been absolutely wounded is not no. even close no. enough word Horrific. for what's happened. Yeah. You know, yeah, they, yeah, they have yeah. been just destroyed by church people, Christians, or the church, and they just lump it all up the same. And, and you know, that's so unfortunate, and it's really hard for them to overcome that. But again, it all comes down to being able to just, through brokenness, crack the door open to say, okay, I'm hopeless, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to trust somebody. Just I'm, I'm going to let one person in my life. Yeah, and, and and it's kind of like you know you're sticking your toe in. It's like, all right, Adam, you you tell me that you love me and you're going to help me. I'm going to give you a shot, and then, you know, it's just one day at a time, and then the doors start opening, and you know that trust starts building. Recognizing, and, yeah. and it's like that's that's the deal is relationships, right? It's, is I really think that in some cases we have to learn how to have a a relationship to a point with people before we can have a relationship with God. Like like he's he's up there and it seems so intangible and they just don't know mm, but okay. when they start yeah, having like, yeah. like God, with I didn't agree with you at first but now that you made that point. He's yeah, like a representative. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I, I think you know like I love what you're saying cuz it's like we really take the world's broken theology and, and and we say that's God. Okay, that's like, yeah. That's what we're saying. We're saying like, all right, there, everything everything in the world is broken. I'm hurt. I feel all this pain. And so, well, that's who God is. That's who God is. And so then you go. We have, which is my story with Josie. There has to be somebody who's so loving, such an ambassador for Jesus that represents God, because we really don't. We really have attached that bad theology, our life experiences to God and, and not knowing what Scripture says um, that, you know, God created earth to be perfect. It was a sinless place. And it was us who rebelled against God. We brought sin into the world, not God. Yeah. And so we attach that bad theology of, well, if God, you know, God's so loving, God's so this or so that, why is the world the way it is? And we go, the wor- the sin of the world is God when they're actually two totally separate yes. entities. And I think, too, that people have to see God in somebody yes. before they can really get their arms around this thing that I know about or I've heard about, I'm not sure I believe about it, is actually real because 
there's no way i've never seen it in action yeah this guy can't be real yeah Yeah. so um i was googling some stuff on my phone here um the nicene creed it's a it's a creed of our beliefs and one of the last lines is we believe in the one holy catholic and apostolic church a lot of times people hear that and they think, oh, well, I'm not a Catholic, so that doesn't apply to me. That's not what Catholic meant in the terms of the Nicene Creed. It meant the universal church, not to be confused with the universalist church, but the, the, the new churchy term for it is the capital C church. So the capital C church is the bride of Christ. The local church is oftentimes, not always, is oftentimes a bad representation of who Christ will marry. So... I've shared this uh, on another episode, but one time we were visiting family, uh, my wife and I, we had just driven like 12 hours to visit this family in North Carolina. We're pulling into the neighborhood and my wife gets real excited. She hasn't seen this family member in a really long time. And she leans out of the window and yells, hey, really loud. Uh, They lived in a nice neighborhood. I'm not denying that fact, but her relative's spouse said, no, we don't do that in this neighborhood. And she made it seem like that yeah, she, she shamed her. She yeah. shamed her for, for the, the way, way she, she got excited to see her aunt. And what this led to was it was a bad representation of her aunt's love for her, but it tainted the whole trip. Oh yeah, the whole trip, trip was. was yeah. Are we welcome here? Are we allowed? Like, what can we do here? Can we truly enjoy ourselves in her house? What are we supposed to do? So then what that leads to is the local church oftentimes is the aunt who said, we don't do that in this neighborhood. And it leads to this rejection. of. Now, I want to make this clear. Reject sin, but don't reject the sinner. Right, right. So, so it leads to this. The local church has this culture of rejecting both, just to be safe. Yeah. And it's, it's a cop-out of the true gospel. So when you asked, why is it that we feel like we've maxed out God's grace? Have you ever tried to dive into a kiddie pool? No, I wouldn't be alive if I it did. It doesn't work well. <laughs> yeah. You're going you're to hurt yourself severely. And I one time heard someone say, I wish I could credit him, but I can't think of who said it right now. But they said, shallow things are easy to see the bottom of. So to both of your points, you've both hit on it. When you have a bad theology of who God is, it's real easy to grasp. If somebody gives you three points, a three-point sermon, you heard it one day, that's who God is, I'm set. You're going to find the bottom of that real quick. And you're not going to know the bounds of God's grace and God's love and God's forgiving power through the death of Jesus that was offered to all of us. So when you dive to the bottom of your bad theology, you're going to hit the bottom real quick. But there are countless Countless times where the psalmists, where uh, even modern worship music, the song Oceans, that just destroyed the charts years ago, still sung every, every Sunday in some church. When they say, um, I remember it scared me because I wasn't big on the ocean at the time, still not really, but uh, it, they said uh, something along the lines of, where my feet may fail, you surround me. Yeah. So when you have a true theology, and what when you aim to have a true theology, when you aim to know God well and God right, you will never max out that grace. Yeah. But the problem is the local church in their free will is selling a faulty grace to get you to behave in their neighborhood. Wow, that's good. That is good. You know, but the thing I think where a lot of your listeners may be, Adam, is they that's that's on down the road and it's it's just trying to just trying to figure out, like, who, you know, okay, I, 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 what, my way ain't working. 
and I'm, I'm, I'm going to open up the door to this God I don't really understand. And, and people say, like, well, how do I recover? Like, what, what's this sponsor thing? What is, what is real recovery? It's like, you know, you don't just pick somebody. You know, somebody walks up and says, hey, man, you know, I'll be your sponsor. Call me if you need me. That ain't sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Real sponsorship's discipleship. Yes. And so so the listeners probably wondering, well, what, what is that? It's like when you go and you see guys or a girl that's looking for girls who have that look in their eye, it's genuine. You can't yeah. fake that look. Yeah, yeah. You can't fake that inner joy. And when you realize that they're not there for their own agenda – they're there really truly to give back and to share what they found this inexpressible joy not happiness this deep joy that they're developing a relationship with god that's the guy or the girl that you want to latch on to yeah and you start walking with them you know and and all those questions man mm-hmm. that's as you go and you start wrestling with it but you you've got to find those people who have been where you've been, and they're now walking in the mm-hmm. light, and just follow. Follow me, yeah. you follow know, Christ. You, you, yeah. you build a trusting relationship. You don't put it all out there, you yeah. know. You, but you slowly start going. Man, there's something different about this guy. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna show it tomorrow night, and and you just you just keep listening and watching, and and you see that that that's something that only God could do. That yeah. that puts that gleam in somebody's eye. That that is just they've just kind of forgotten themselves and it's like man i remember when when you were showing up with the salvation army i couldn't i wasn't a leader i I didn't have any deep theology i couldn't wait to be the guy standing on the sidewalk shaking everybody's hand when they got off the van i couldn't wait like i don't know why yeah i didn't it wasn't like i want somebody to see me shaking everybody's hand or i want to be recognized as a leader it was like i just couldn't wait yeah. Just Share what like, you hey, found. man, I'm glad you're yeah. here. You yeah. know, I'm glad yeah. you're here. And these old hard ankles rolling in. They're like, man, what is wrong with Are you for real, man? Yeah. I had a couple of them ask me, said, man, are you for real? <laughs> really? What's had, up with you? Uh, I <laughs> one so time good. heard a guy who, he experienced a lot of church hurt in the past, uh, but he one time described a pastor, and I'm neither confirming nor denying this, but he described a pastor as Papa Smurf. And he said, everything can't be good all the time. But it can be pretty good. It can be pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you're listening, you know, now it's just keep it simple. You know, the we don't you may be here just kind of checking out the claims of Christ. You don't maybe have a relationship with God or maybe you've had a terrible uh, theology or upbringing or been hurt. Um, but, but I think what we want you to take away from this is that um, there is no there is nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of God. So mm-hmm. there's no amount of sin, no amount of drugs, no amount of alcohol, nothing you can do that can keep God from loving you. So know that God loves you. And if you're looking for a place where you can go and be accepted, um, you know, I think a, a great step into the church is Celebrate Recovery. Um, you can find a Celebrate Recovery if you're local here in Sumner County. There's incredible churches. Uh, Long Hall is a great church. Life Church is a great church. There's lots of churches around here. Um, and so the main thing is to find somewhere that you feel that you feel comfortable that's teaching the Bible and go. Find somewhere they're teaching the Bible and go. And um, you know, for me, I'll never forget this. I um, I was 
I did. I was a lot like Danny Dan's. Our story is very similar. I had a hard time trusting men, in particular, especially mm-hmm. adults, but men in general because uh, of my father. And uh, I, I had a. I asked a guy to mentor me, be my be my sponsor. He said, "Yeah." And he never called me. I never called him. I thought this is great. But the problem was, is I didn't get any better. I was still sober. I was still going to church. I was reading my Bible. But as we talked about, this is dry, drunk, like just still having anger outbursts. And so I started praying. And so that's why another thing I would say is say. Begin to pray about where God wants you to go to church because God's plan for redeeming the world is a local New Testament church. You need to be in church. You got to find a church and be faithful there, and God will bless you if He's teaching the Word of God because it doesn't return void. But I'll never forget, I was at CR one night, and a man came up to me and he said, um, You got a sponsor? I was like, yeah, sorta. I mean, we don't really talk. And he goes, well, then the answer's no. <laughs> he goes, I'm your sponsor. And, you know, that was 12 years ago. And yeah. my life changed when I started calling him on the way home. Mm-hmm. When I just said, you know what, I'm going to just try to trust this guy. And I know, no matter what I do, how bad it is, that I can call Mike. And he's going to accept me and he's going to love me. And um, he's not, there, so there's, there's people out there that when you go, hey, they're going to go, hey, they're not going to say, be quiet. Yeah. Right? So don't let that one be quiet moment yeah. keep you from seeing, experiencing that great love of God that's out there. So, yeah. You know, Adam, you made a great point about going to a church. And, and church is not the brick mortar building, it's Mm-mm. people. Yeah. If you show up at the last minute, sit in the back, hear the message, walk out the door, and you never shake a hand, you never meet somebody, you never let somebody into your life, and you don't go home and read your Bible because it don't matter what that pastor says or I say, it matters what God says. Mm-hmm. And I need to be a good Brian uh, and read the Word and make sure what's going on. Yeah. But it's just like I said the other night at CR. It, I see these people who show up at the last minute, they sit in the back, they don't talk to anybody, and they're the first ones blowing out the door, and they never go to small group, they never get a phone number, and they do that five or six weeks. They never come back, and they tell everybody, oh, I tried CR, it didn't work, yeah. it didn't work. Yeah. It's like, no, you didn't. It's like sticking your toe in the water and telling everybody you went swimming. Yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yeah. You stuck your toe in the water. You didn't, yeah. you didn't even get wet. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. and so that's that's what I'm, I'm realizing more and more and more is, it's about a relationship with God. It ain't about religious. That's who Jesus was hard on, the religious bunch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's about a relationship yeah. and recovery. It's that. It's discipleship. Wow. It we is. need God created us to be in a relationship with Him mm. and with others. Mm-hmm. And, and if we miss that, we missed it. We're still on an island. You can be sitting at Long Hall with 3,000 people around you yeah. in the service on an island by yourself feeling lost and hopeless. Mm-hmm. And and it's sad because God is standing there with his arms out, you know, and, and he uses people, right? Like mm-hmm. like me and you, Adam, like, really? Yeah. I mean, it's like the least he likely. didn't need Moses to free the Israelites. Yeah. Moses was an anger problem guy, killed a guy, stuttered. Tried to get out of going, but you know God could just showed up. Pharaoh said, "Let my people go," but He wanted to use old jacked up Moses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. And Paul and David. Oh, oh just and, on and, and on. A lot. on yeah, on. and Adam and yeah. and Danny and Hunter. Hunter I mean, yeah. you know, that's the beautiful thing about it is, if we miss relationships, we missed it all. That's what, that's that's what I'm learning more and more. It's uh, I want a deeper relationship with God, and like you said, Hunter. It's endless. Mm-hmm. You're never going to never going to max it out. Yeah, so yeah, so in that point, 
Um, you need relationship. Let's dive into to try to land this plane. Why do you think there's such a need for recovery refuge in Sumner County? Well, you know, the, the, the numbers of people stuck in addiction uh, is it's mind-boggling, and the average person has no clue. The average citizen of Sumner County has no clue mm-hmm. that every 36 hours or less someone's overdosing. Not necessarily death, but they're ODing. Um, I'm sure that number's gone up from a couple of years ago. Uh, the amount of cries for help is it's it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Even for me, who's in the middle of it day in and day out, when I stop to think about, as I told you, Adam, 2020, three local rehabs, three local rehabs were getting 10,300 calls a month. A month, 30,000 calls month. a month in oh some That's gosh. three of them. There's 53 in Middle Tennessee. I, I bet Buffalo Valley's getting 6,000 calls a month. Those are the guys that actually picked up the phone and said, I need help. Yeah. yeah. How many more is living in mama's or grandmama's basement ain't even thought about getting sober? And, and you know, the other thing that the, the listener needs to hear, it ain't just drugs. Mm-hmm. Adam, wouldn't, wouldn't it be a fair statement to say, out of all the people you know in recovery, it's probably 60, 40 alcohol. Oh, alcohol. Drugs. Uh-huh. Exactly. 60, 40. That blows people's minds. They don't even want to think about that. Yeah, no doubt. No We've doubt. hit on that, how alcohol is just, mm-hmm. it's the permissible thing. And, and this culture. This, this is why there's a need for recovery refuge, because unfortunately, God, God is good and he loves us, but this world is sinful and our culture is saying if it feels good, if you stub your toe, take a pill. You know, what's wrong with ice? Mm-hmm. Oh no, take a pill. You yeah. know, you need ten hydrocodones because you stub your toe. I mean, that's our mindset. It's everything's a pill. Take a pill. Take a pill. Take a pill for this. Two for that. One for that. Three to overcome that one. And it, it's it's the it, instant gratification culture. Exactly, yeah. and it's yeah. just getting worse. We're feeding kids narcotics. Uh, and it, it's, it's, the problem is not going to go away, unfortunately. Um, there is a solution. Um, Adam knows it well, and, and I know him well. But this world around us is lost, man. Mm-hmm. And, and this, this problem is not going to go away. And right. what we need to do is educate ourselves to really be able to help the ones that we can. And as soon as they're ready, as soon as that, that edge of brokenness hits and they stick their hand out for a second, that window's short and we gotta be ready to snatch them yeah. from the fire Amen. and get them to a safe place like re- Recovery Refuge is gonna be. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Man, what a joy. It's been awesome. Yeah. Uh, Danny, thank you for what you do. And every day, um, you are a testament. You have talked uh, often, uh, it's like a recurring thing for you about how rela- how important relationships are. And um, I, I know there's going to be a lot of people that are listening to this, and they're going to listen to it because of the relationship that they have with you. And there's a lot of men in jail right now that can't wait to see you on Thursday. And so thank you for what you do in our community. People don't know that you are an unsung hero. There are so many people in our community that are doing better, that are in recovery, that have felt love. And you are a great example of what it means to be a light and salt uh, for the brokenhearted. So Mm -hmm. you, and I know you've been saying it over and over again, but you are that guy that I want people to see and that I hope anybody that comes in would see 
people like you that are willing to love. You are that guy that are there for the right reason. So thank you, brother. Thank you for what you do. Um, and um, it's just it's an awesome, awesome opportunity to have you on to the show. So yeah, thank you again. Absolutely. Thank you, man. That's uh, awful kind words. It's just the gratitude of my heart that I don't have to live the way I was. Mm-hmm. And that really wasn't living. It was existing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Now I really get to live. Yeah. Know, so. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, Danny, thank you. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for tuning into the Recovery Refuge podcast. We always appreciate it when you share this podcast on your social media platforms to help get the word out. You never know whose life will be saved or impacted in the world of recovery because you chose to share. To learn more about Recovery Refuge or to support us, go to www.recoveryrefuge.care. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, today is a great day to have a great day.